glad he's a risen king today. Amen. Because he's risen, he's Lord. He's Lord over the grave. He's Lord over death. He's Lord over sickness. He's Lord over afflictions. Amen. That's what made him Lord. He rose up, conquered it all. And because of his victory, we can live in victory. Amen. Good to see you this morning, Brother Jerome, back there. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Aren't we glad to have Brother Jerome with us today? God bless you, Brother Jerome. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the lily of the valley. Amen. Is he what brightens your path as you walk down life's journey? You find he's there present, the ever-present God. Always there for you to meet your need. He's here for you this morning. Amen. Well, I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. Oh, hallelujah, he's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of taken and all my sorrows born in temptation he's my strong and mighty tower I all for him forsaken and all my idols torn he keeps me by his power and though all the world forsake me and Satan tempts me sore through Jesus I together as we go to the Lord today. Father, you are certainly the lily of the valley, the bright, the morning star. You are the rose of Sharon. Lord, you're the what brings us delight along life's journey. Lord, without you in this life, we'd be all men most miserable. But it's you, Lord, it's our comfort, our strength. Lord, you're the El Shaddai, the one who gives strength from your bosom, Lord. 
both breaths of the Old and the New Testament. And it's of those promises that we believe today. And we receive them for ourselves, Lord. We thank you for being the strength giver to our brother Jerome Butts that's here today, Lord. As you've raised him up and brought him back to the house of God today. Make today new strength rise within him. Lord, may the old eagle just realize he can be renewed. Oh, God, may he realize that he can again fly into the, into the realms where all things are possible. Not only for him, but for everyone, Lord. For every need that is there. For the Hollis family. Father, that are meeting there, listening today. Unable to come, but Lord, they're here in spirit. Minister to them in a special way. Those around the world that are joined in with us today. I pray God you'll speak to them in a great and mighty way. Open up heaven. Lord, let the heaven just open up. God, it, it happened in the days when you were born. It's happened in our end time, Lord, when the heavens opened and seven angels came forth. And Lord, the seals are open, the mysteries were revealed. Lord, may heaven open today as we hear the call that says, come up higher. May we come up higher today, moving into the realms of the, of the unknown, what was previously unknown to us. Greater depth, higher heights. Meet the needs of your children. Bring healing and deliverance to each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, over in a little hospital, over in, I think it's probably Tucson, there in Arizona, our sister Rachel gathered there in a room with her brother. David has been one of those that strayed away from you as a young boy. Lord, you tendered his heart and he talked it over with you. But may today be a day, Lord, that you just seal him into the kingdom of God. I pray, Lord, that you would just bolster him up today with healing. As he lays there with a broken hip, you're the mender. His wife there with open heart surgery. Got a need there. Lord, there's many needs. I pray, God, that you'll speak to him. Even though it's a late hour, Lord, it's not too late. Many times, Lord, a predestinated seed can go a long time before they realize who they are. May today be a day of recognition in that family and a turning of their hearts to you. I pray in the name of Jesus, you'll bind every enemy. Lord, you'll speak life to them. We speak it in the name of Jesus. And on the wings of this prayer to that hospital room, May faith come into that room and in those hearts and grace to believe and receive from you. We ask it in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen and amen. Amen. And the church said, amen. We can rejoice in truth. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. And we are going to, we're going to read from Revelation chapter 1, and I would like to read, um, let me see the first verse there first. Let me see that. All right, go down to verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day 
and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia and to Ephesus and to Smyrna and Pergamos and unto Thyatira and Sardis and unto Philadelphia and to the last age that we're living in, Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white, like wool as white as the snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet as likened to fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me these wonderful words, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. May he bless his word this morning. We're going to take a part two on our last service that we spoke on the people of the resurrection. Because I believe that we are people that are headed back to Eden. Yet, make no mistake about it, although we have received one of the greatest signposts by this message that we're nearing that land, we have not arrived yet. Oh, I know there are those who have thought we're already in the millennium or this is already, we're already back to Eden, but we're not quite there. Amen. But the signpost points us to the city, but the signpost never is the city. And we we see many, many signs along the way that tells us where we are in this life's journey. The signs of Noah, as it was in those days. And the signs of Sodom. The signs that the church is now in the same condition that the Jewish church was 2,000 years ago when they were blinded. And in their blindness, they crucified the Lord of glory, their Messiah. But, you know, the bride herself is a sign. The bride is the last sign. You are the last sign before the coming groom. Amen. A bride that is prepared to meet her bridegroom. I think of this, as Brother Branham said, in the identification of Christ of the all, of all, in all ages, it's God manifested in flesh, now in the flesh of his bride. For the bride and the husband is the self-same flesh. Listen to these powerful words. These two are one. And the church is becoming the bride all the time by believing the word so that the word and the church becomes the same. The word in the church making it the bride. The last sign, God identifying himself, the word in the church. So the bride, as he said, is the last sign with the, because the word, he said, has been made flesh in a church, in a bride people. Remember, this was the last sign 
Amen. Of all of the prophets down to the ages uh, that came. And, and Jesus would be the last sign to the Jewish dispensation. Which would be the word made flesh. And I think of it of all the prophets and all the scriptures and all the promises and all the, the many people down to the ages. Well, many movements and church movements and bride movements. But, you know, here we come to where the fullness of the word is being made flesh in a bride people in this last day. And the end time signs, all of these signs are showing us that we're about to be snatched out of here. For it is the eagle age where we'll be caught up. The word is harpazo in the, in the Greek. And it means to be literally snatched away. The eagle is the miracle. It comes out of the heavens. I tell you, if you don't believe in miracles, the resurrection, the body change, and the rapture, it will be nothing short of the miraculous. And this is why Brother Branham would say, if you can't believe, get, if I can't get the church to even believe for divine healing, how will they ever believe for a rapture? For the resurrection of the dead, for the great translation of the saints. Now, where is it that he's going to take us? Because he's going to take us out of this world. The Bible speaks of a deliverance. He said that we should pray always to escape the things that are coming upon the earth. He tells us that it will be in the end time, it will come like a trap. And it will snap and close very quickly upon the earth. And it will catch many unawares. And he says, for you not to be overcome with surprising and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And he warns you, don't, don't, don't be bogged down with everything. Keep your, keep your eyes heavenly. Keep your thoughts on what you're really here for. For you're here for a purpose. For a reason, and there is a fulfillment of the word of God that must be fulfilled in this hour. Now, see, again, you know, he's going to take us somewhere. He's going to take us into heaven where we will have a marriage supper of the Lamb in a glorified bodies. Bodies that are travel like a thought. That can pass through the walls. It can appear and disappear. Unconfined by the physical. But at yet the same time. Be physical enough to eat fish and honeycomb. And be felt and touched like he was. We're talking about glorified bodies. We're talking about something that is not a fiction. It happened in the groom. The same word that spoke of the groom. Speaks also of the bride. It is a word that is promised for the end time people. The people of the resurrection. But we're not staying there very long. Amen. Just three and a half years. I can just imagine during that time. If you just examine the Bible. There's seven there's seven angels in the book of Revelation. These seven angels are seven church age messengers. They're seven stars in the hand of Jehovah. And these same seven there, they, they, uh, they hold the, the, the very truths of the word of God. And, and these, very, these seven, one of them will be, uh, in, one of them that holds one of the vials will be actually worshipped. By John, he will get down to worship him. And he said, don't you worship me. I may look so much like your Lord, but I'm not him. I'm a prophet. Just like you are. Amen. So he, would, he, would, he said, I'm your fellow servants. What are your brothers? Right? 
Amen. And so he would show him many things. He would show him um, the bride, the lamb's wife. He would show them the new Jerusalem that is coming, the new heavens and the new earth. He would show him the judgment of the great whore. He would show him how there would be a voice in the last day in Revelation 18 that says, come out of her, my people. He would show, he would show there all, all of these different scenes to John. But he also holds one of the vials. And as we, as we know, these seven angels holding one of the vials, I can just imagine, this is just my imagination now. Maybe it's going to muck, but it's my imagination as we sit there at the marriage supper. During that three and a half years, one of them excused herself from the table and says, I've got, a, I've got some judgments to pour out. Amen, I got a vial to empty. Going to be upon the beast and upon the false prophet for the tribulation period. Let me tell you, friends, it's not going to be a fun time for the tribulation. There are going to be judgments that have been reserved, kept up in vessels or vials as, as pictured as symbolically in the book of Revelation that will be poured out during the tribulation period. Amen. They'll be poured out from heaven. And as, as, we, as we do, and we see them, remember, when we see the great judgments, there's a great sound in heaven of a rejoicing of the saints. As they, say, as they rejoice and say, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen. And he has showed his judgments upon the earth. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful time. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to be here. Amen. You want to be there. Amen. You know, and it'll be as the seventh seal that finished up the Gentile ages, breaking the silence and initiating the end time events. And it'll all conclude with the coming back of Christ with his bride at Armageddon and taking the world over for a thousand years. And, and after that thousand years is over, bringing the world to judgment at the great white throne, and death and hell and Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. And then Eden will come again upon the earth as the new Jerusalem comes down as a bride adorned from her hus- of her husband. Let me tell you, this is no fiction. This is not just a story. This is the very plan of redemption. God has not given up on the earth. God has not given up on you. He has not given up on having a bride without spider wrinkle. He has not given up on one of his plans. He has done everything that he had all of his power to bring to pass that which he had in his mind before the world began. And nothing can stop it. Devils can't stop it. His imps can't stop it. And I want to remind the devil this morning he's only temporary. He's not eternal. You are eternal. But he is not eternal. So how am I eternal, Brother Tim, that I pre-exist just like you did? In the very thoughts and mind of God before the world began, his thoughts is eternal. It becomes word. It becomes spoken. It takes on flesh, and it goes into his presence. What a blessed people we are. Originally, mankind lived in Eden. But when man sinned, he died. That meant he was separated from God. 
he was then separated from Eden. You see, he could not live in heaven because that was heaven on earth. It was paradise. It was Eden. It was wonderful. It was, it was everything that heaven one day will be. Amen. Maybe heaven will be a little more, but it was heaven. Are you with me? Amen. I know heaven will be a little more because there won't be no Lucifer there. There won't be no tempter anymore. He has his place in the lake of fire. Aren't you glad to know the devil has a place? Death has its place. It, it only serves for a moment and a time, but one day it'll have its end. It'll, it'll take the last one of God's children into his presence. It'll separate the last child from its mother and the last mother from its child. It'll do its last damage one day. One day it's coming to an end. One day, Satan, you're coming to an end. One day, sin, you're coming to an end. One day, evil, you're coming to an end. But hallelujah, there is no end to the child of God. Hallelujah, for we came from God and we're going back to God. We were eternal in his thoughts and we are eternal now. We are not, we are not at all temporary beings. The baptism of the Holy Ghost revealed to you your eternity. Originally, mankind lived in Eden. He got separated by sin, driven out. Because sin and sinners cannot live in Eden. And Eden was closed off to man. With cherubims guarding the way back. Nobody could come back in. But as I said, God has never given up on human beings. He's never given up on the earth. He has never given up on his plan for humans to live here on earth. And, and earth will again some glorious day be in Eden again. The climax of history will be the creation of a new heavens and a new earth. Not in the sense of a creation like we think of a creation out of nothing, but God will take and remake and remold and and the old will pass away and become a new creation by by the power of the word. Now, so to be a resurrected universe inhabited by resurrected people living with the resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. What awesome thought that is. Now, to do this, God has to have a resurrected people. Not just a resurrection of bleached bones and decayed bodies, but a resurrected people who were quickened and made alive and, and, and brought back from death, separation from God, and brought back into unity with God where they and Christ are one together. Amen. Amen. Now upon this new earth will be people who will make up his bride, who will be with him in the new Jerusalem. Then there will be millions of others who will be outside the city. You know, when we think about grace, it's a lot larger than you can ever imagine. A lot of times we think 
Oh, it's just grace upon the bride. That's all he had in his mind. No, that's not all he had in his mind. There are people in the Lamb's book. There are people in the book of life. There is a bride and there is a church. They're called in Revelation 7, a multitude without number. Amen. They never received the Holy Ghost here. They never drank of the, the fountains of living waters here. But Revelation 7 said that he will wipe the tears from their eyes, those who went through the great tribulation. And he will, he, he will absolutely lead them to life, to life-given waters. Amen. Because why? We can know him as a thirst quencher. I think about every sinner. That's all it is. They're thirsty people. God made you to thirst for God. A man smokes because he's thirsty. A man drinks because he's thirsty. A man commits adultery or a woman because they're thirsty. Amen. They are thirsting for something that, that, that sin cannot quench. Amen. I stood with a preacher one day as I talked to him about his boy and and you know, he was a sinner boy, and he said, oh, Tim, Tim, he said, my boy is just thirsty. And I looked at him, I said, thirsty? He said, yes, he's so thirsty, Tim. He's trying to quench it with everything else, but he thirsts for a living God. Somehow we got to get him to a living God. Amen, because he is the only one that can satisfy the hunger in a human heart. Amen. But upon this earth, can you think about what was revealed when the book was opened? You remember, the lamb took the seals off the book. That's why we're preaching. We're the people of the book. It's open. It's not closed. There's not six seals and one's left. All the seals have been opened. Amen. In fact, it was the seventh one that opened up the rest of them. It started the the coming of the Lord. It broke the silence on the scripture. It revealed the mysteries of the other seals. Somebody with me? And it continues unfolding. It's not a one-time event, a singular event. It just keeps unfolding and unfolding and unfolding, ushering in the end-time events. Do you not know you're in the seventh seal? Do you not know you're in the coming of the Lord? Do you not know that this is the hour where everything is coming to a climax? Even you are moving toward a climax. It's an awesome hour. One thing, he said it was like a Roman candle. One thing will open up for this. And out of that will shoot five more. Out of that one, it will come and, and there'll be another explosion. There'll be a, and one event opens up another event and one event opens up another event and that event opens up another event until the whole coming is consummated with his return back to earth with the saints. You see, we're not in a time of just one coming. In fact, the first coming we usually talk about the rapture is more of a going away than it is a coming. But there's another coming. He's going to come back with his saints. It'll be at the great battle of Armageddon. I want you to look up this morning. Get your eyes on your Redeemer. It's the hour where the redemption is being made known. Now, as I said, when the book was open, it revealed things you couldn't imagine. 
Who would ever thought under the fifth seal there would be Jews who had been killed by all down to the ages, but namely through Hitler and Eichmann and, uh, and Stalin and all the mothers that had killed those six million Jews. And there they were as martyrs under the, uh, under the, under the altar, as it were. And they were crying out, how long, oh Lord, how long? And, and Brother Branham would look in there and by revelation, he said, these are not believers. He said, they are, they are there for the testimony which they held. They held on to the faith of Abraham. He said, they are given white robes. Notice they wait till they get there to be given white robes. Uh, who would ever thought there could be, be people there given white robes who had been blinded because they had not known their Messiah. And because of blindness, they were in this condition. And God in his grace and mercy saved them anyhow. You sometimes think you know grace. Amen. You think grace is just all about you. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten. You think of that. Then seven, then a multitude, we're talking about Revelation 7 now, a multitude without number. You think you're the only one going to have eternal life? No, you're not. You think you're the only one that's going to be in the new heavens and earth? No, you're not. There's going to be millions there. Brother Brandon said there'll be people make it that you never thought would make it. There'll be people there that you didn't even know your testimony of your life. Turn them around in the best moment or perhaps their worst moment. You know, rather than coming around and saying it's us four and no more, we ought to be a little more all embracing and saying, oh God, save them. I don't care. I don't care if they just make it in. They're not bribed, but they're a multitude without number. I don't care how you have to do it, but somehow save them, whether it's my kids, whether it's my, my friends, whether it's that stranger, whether it's that sinner that's so far away from God. Never let me get so hard that I don't want nobody else in heaven but me. Oh, yes, there will be a bride. She's entitled to the new Jerusalem. There will be those outside the city who will come and bring their, their gifts into the city. They don't live in the city, but they live. But they live. Don't give up on your loved ones yet. Are you with me? Amen. Don't give up on so well, my... My grandma, my grandma, Brother Jim, she didn't believe the message and she did the best she knew. Don't give up on it. Just give, put her in the hands of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just surrender them to God. Amen. Whatever you say about them, one way or the other, wouldn't change their destiny. Amen. So why not just believe you can put them in the hands of a loving God who cares and understands the faults of humanity, who forgives, who accepts. Who's got more mercy than what you could ever imagine? 
that's the kind of God I can love. A God whose love is so great. Oh, yes. There definitely is a bride, and she's a special set-apart people. And if you're part of her by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the only way you can be bride, you are a blessed person. Upon this earth will be people who make us bride, who will be with him in the new Jerusalem. There will be millions of others outside the city. Earth will be so enlarged that there will be no more sea. But he'll accommodate them all. I just want to say, you don't want to miss it. Heaven is a real place. It's a place for the people of the resurrection. You don't want to miss it. If you, you know, Brother Branham said, I, I can't even describe it. What it's really like, he sublime wouldn't touch it. Uh, I, I can't find a word in human language. And he was, he, he didn't have a large vocabulary, but he said, I, I can't find a word that can really describe what it's like. But he said, after being there, I can't even be the same William Branham anymore. Heaven is a real place. Now, Brother Branham talked about this and things that are to be. He said, I do not think that heaven is a place my mother used to tell me about. I believe the church has grown from that. To think it used to be a hundred years ago or two, I think old timers used to think that everybody that died went up to heaven and had a harp and sat there on the clouds and played a harp. Now they knew there was a place called heaven. But if that be so, all the musicians have it on us. In other words, you better start taking some lessons now. But it isn't that kind of a place. It isn't playing harps at all. Although there are harps there. And there is music there. Amen. But he said, I don't believe the Bible teaches that. But that was a conception they had before the fullness of the word came into existence or the opening of the seven seals that's promised to us in this age then that we then understand. And I believe heaven is a real place. Just the same as this is a real place. Reach over there and feel your pew by in the wood there on the back. It's real, isn't it? Heaven is more real than that. Amen. He said, he said, and we don't just sit up there for eternity and sit up on a cloud. We don't just strum our harp from all of here ever. But we're going to a real place. Listen to this. Where we're going to do things. We're going to live. We're going to work. We're going to life. To a real eternal life. We're going to heaven, a paradise. And just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and ate and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden before sin came in, we're right, we're on our road right back there again, right back. The first Adam through sin taking us out. The second Adam through righteousness brings us back in again, justifies us and brings us back in. Hallelujah, you think of it. It's a real place. A place where we live, we enjoy, we work, 
Just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and ate and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. That's what heaven is. The present earth that we now live in is, is a place, actually, it's an intermediate place, if I could call it, this world we're now living in. It's an intermediate place between heaven and hell. For the believer, this wretched life is the closest you will ever come to hell. And for the sinner, this is the closest you'll ever get to heaven. Think of that. The best of this life, sinner, is the only taste of heaven you'll ever have. The present earth, before it's renewed and the new Jerusalem comes down upon it, it's an in-between world. It's touched by both heaven and hell. We're actually in this dimension, in this realm, demons come. In this realm, and let me just talk, demons don't just come. They come and inhabit people. Amen. And into, into this realm, angels come. That's right. Angels have been seen in this realm. Not just now, but through the Bible. But now, angels have been seen here. They can, they can live. They can walk. They can, they can experience things in this dimension. Spirits. Amen. There is one particular spirit that comes to live in us. It's called the Holy Spirit. Amen. So again, this present world is an in-between world that is touched by both heaven and hell. Earth leads directly to heaven or directly to hell. This life affords us a choice between the two. You say, well, Brother Tim, but we were chosen before the foundation world. That's true. But you got to make a choice. You must choose what he chose. And the truth of it is, being a predestinated seed, you can only be manifest what you are. But nevertheless, the best of heaven or the best of earth is a glimpse of heaven. The worst of, of this life is a glimpse of hell. For the Christian, as I said, the closest, this is the closest you'll ever come to hell. For unbelievers, it's the closest you'll ever come to heaven. And you cannot go on pretending this world that we know now is the only world we will live in. One breath away is another world. Never forget you're that close. Say it's a ways away. I can't say yes, it's beyond your seat, taste, smell, feeling here. But I want you to understand, it's not that far away. One breath. This mortal life is a temporary life. So don't just go right on the life, you know, putting on the dog, pretending this is all that it is. And like you're somebody here. You're nothing but dust. 
Brother Branham would say it this way, there are people putting on too much dog, we call it in the street expression. What are you anyhow but six foot of dirt? God have mercy on you. I, I don't care how you can dress and how you can act and what kind of home you live in and what kind of car you drive. If you're not born of the power and spirit of the resurrected Jesus Christ, you're lost and will go to hell just as sure as a Martin will go to its box. Oh, it's not popular today to preach about hell. But let me tell you, yes, this loving God has created a place called hell. It has a beginning and it has an end. Now there's a fire that won't quench because he's a consuming fire. And there is a destroyer, a worm that won't die because he is the destroyer. Because the soul that sinneth, it shall die. There's no such thing as immortal life in hell. You'll come to an end. Maybe a million years later, but you'll come to an end. It's your choice. Do you choose life or choose death? Brother Branham said at the door to your heart and he expressed about the painting where a man painted a picture and the critic, the art critic looked at it and said, oh, you got this picture and you're missing a handle on the door. You got Jesus knocking on the door and there's no handle. And he was critiquing the picture and said, you, you, you left off something important here. He said, no, sir. And on this door, the handle's only on the inside. He cannot open from the outside. He cannot save you against your will. He cannot heal you against your will. He cannot send a revival against your will. You've got to be willing to open the door and invite him in. Think about it. How much it lays on you. Amen. You've got to open the door to him. He won't do it against your will. He won't heal you. You say, I need healing. Well, I tell you, if you sit right there in your unbelief and say, well, it's for others, not for me. He can never heal you till you open that door. Amen. And you say, well, the revival. I'll tell you what. I ain't going to act like that. I'll tell you right now. I'm not going to get inspired. I ain't going to get drunk on the stimulation of revelation like that. People don't buy. They got revelation and they don't have no stimulation. Your wine don't, is a dud. It don't have no fears, no life in it. It's done went bad. True revelation produces stimulation. It causes the hallelujahs, the thank you, Jesus, the glory to God. Amen. It causes tears to come down your face. It causes hands to go up and worship. Come on. And it translates from that into a life that you live. Don't talk to me about revelation. And you can't show me no stimulation. That's education, not revelation. Education is dark and drear. Words and formulas and ideas and hypotheses. Revelation is quickening power. You want revival, you have to open... Amen. You want healing, you have to open. You want salvation, you have to open the door. The life I'm talking about here is an eternal life. It's not, it's not an eternal church service. 
Don't get in your idea that we're going to go up there and heaven's going to be this boring place where we're all just shouting and glorifying God for millions and millions of years. So I don't want to go to a place like that. That sounds more like hell to me, Brother Tim. Well, it's not hell to the cherubims, but that's their job, not yours. Cherubims were made to do that. To say hallelujahs and glory to God. That's their job. That's not your job. Your job, of course, does include saying hallelujahs and glories to God. And thank you, Jesus. And there's going to be plenty of that. But I'm telling you again, heaven's going to be more than a church service. Where we sing and sing and sing and absentmindedly shout praises to God forever. That's not heaven. Heaven is a place of wonderment. It's a place of joy, of peace, of love. Can I tell you it has hills and valleys and mountains and rivers and the most crystal springs and crystal rivers and open fields and wooded vales. Peace. When Brother Branham was in the pristine mountains of Canada, he told Eddie Biscoll that heaven that he went to looked a whole lot like that with rolling hills and lofty mountains with beautiful fields like blue grass, indescribable colors, more vivid than anything you've ever seen. He said they had eyes, but their eyesight was somehow greater than anything that we've ever had. It's a land full of animals. Amen. And wildlife where nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountains. For there the lion will lay down by the lamb and the wolf will be tame and the bear will be, will be cuddly and gentle. A place where things you love here in this life, you'll have some of those very things there. Houses, lands, is a city. It's a country. It's real because it has foundations. It has streets and trees and real houses with real furniture to resemble things we enjoyed here. And I'm not just talking about the millennium. But in the present heaven, which is the temporary holding place for the saints and where we will go to for the three and a half years temporarily it's a home brother Bradham when he went there hope told him but you have a home here he said no we're Branhams we're vagabonds we don't own nothing he lived in a little one room shanty that he that he rented and, and had no indoor toilet or running water it was just it was just a, a very shot, little shotgun house living in, in poverty him and his wife and they had a a chair that he had bought to come home from work and rest in and read his Bible and study for the services. And that was taken away. And he looked over there, and there the Morris chair was. Things he enjoyed here, there. We're going to live on a resurrected earth in a resurrected universe. Inhabited by resurrected people. Living with the resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So why wouldn't we choose life? Why wouldn't we choose life? Wherever you dreamed or ever hoped for, greater than you can imagine, and we can imagine great things. He's got it in store for you. Why not choose life and not death? And the death I'm talking about is being separated from God and spending a forever away from his presence in hell. The torment of your missed opportunities will be worse than the torments of any flame you can imagine. And just as heaven is a real place, hell is not a fiction. It's a real place. I hope you never find out how real it is. I hope that you find out the reality of heaven. But I'm telling you, it depends on the choice you make. That decision of receiving a pardon from your sins. That moment in his presence where you receive his life because you can't live this life there. Brother Branham also didn't just go to heaven. He also went to hell. He said, I believe I was in that place. It's a bottomless pit. Even you as a sinner today, if you're a sinner, you're just, you're still without foundations. You know, you you have no place to stand. And you think, oh, I have some morals. And you only find out. That, that'll just slip away from you and cave out from under your feet. And I, I'm not, I, I don't, I'll never be a bad person. And that slips out under your feet. And you, you just finally go in head over heels, over head over heels, over and over into an abyss. And I'm not even talking about after death. I'm talking about right now. As a sinner, that's the way you are. You have no foundation. There is nothing to really stabilize you. You say, well, I'll be this and I'll be that and I have resolved. And it crumbles beneath you. Brother Bradham saw Billy Paul like this as a sinner boy. I know, yeah, he was drinking or smoking and doing some things, at least smoking and slipping around and lying to his daddy and all of that. And Brother Bradham saw him in his condition as he was laying there having taken a shot of penicillin and was now there on the, uh, on the verge of death and he saw his boy in the condition. A prophet's son. You may be a deacon's daughter. You may be a deacon's son. You may be the preacher's daughter, the granddaughter. You may be this or that. Let me tell you, without Christ, you're tumbling down, down, down. And sin will always take you further than what you ever wanted to go. So I don't want to hear about this, Brother Tim. I just want to hear about heaven. Well, let me tell you something. Just as heaven is real, hell is real also. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You, we are not here in this life playing games. It's the intermediate place. And only here you can make a decision. There it'll be too late. 
One breath away. Your decision's sealed forever. Too late to make a change. And that was Brother Branham himself. He could see it. He said, I was sinking into an endless eternity. Many of you heard me tell of this. But I was sinking into an endless eternity. You find this soul's in prison, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Perhaps I won't just read the quotes, but he said, I was first going down through the clouds. Notice he's going down. Do you realize? Do you realize that it is a fallen world? It's a fallen life. Do you realize you were born in this life with your compass set on hell? And the only hope for you is to turn around. Not only were you there, I was born in a good family. I had a good mother and dad. I went to church. I was a good little boy, but good people go to hell. And I was headed there. I needed a savior. I was going down through the clouds and through the darkness. I was sinking down, down, down. Going back to Billy Paul. Billy Paul, in that condition, Brother Branham saw him. He said, oh God, don't let my boy die that way. Come out of the vision. Went back to prayer and said, I can't. Let's see my boy go like that, Lord. I, I can't let him, let him go like that. And the vision comes again. He sees him tumbling over and over. And he's laughing. He's going on his merry way, you know, all the time laughing and going on and, 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 and just partying, falling over, tumbling over and over. And he says, God have mercy. Don't let my boy die like that. And he said, about that time, I saw a big hand reach out and catch his fall. Oh, I'm so glad to know today, friend. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to every saved person. We were in that very condition, falling and falling and falling and falling. But in that moment, he reached out. And he caught me. I'm so glad he broke my fall. Put my feet on solid ground. No, I can't look at down my nose at anybody and say, well, I never did this or never did that. I did enough just in my own unbelief of rejecting, of turning him down, of not accepting him when I should. Brother Branham said, I was in this condition. And he tells about it. Going down to the clouds, going down, down, down. And I got into the regions of the lost and there I screamed. Sometimes people get upset because we scream in church and we shout in church. A lot of these tumbling down on their way, laughing and giggling and shouting and screaming and all the other things that they're doing, going their merry way. They don't realize they're falling, falling, falling. But that's what they'll do also. And he says, and then I screamed. Terror set upon me. 
He said, I was in the regions of the lost, and there was no foundation to it. Oh, Brother Tim, that's not a kid, 15 years old. Just a young boy. Amen. Never done a lot of things yet. Hadn't smoked, hadn't drank. The only thing he said, I never committed adultery. Couldn't say I hadn't lied, I hadn't done this or hadn't done that. He said, I'd done plenty of things. But he said, I I said to God, I've never committed adultery, God. And he said, it had no foundations. I could never stop falling. And for eternity, it looked like I was going to fall. There was no stopping nowhere. I think of that. Sometimes, you know, you began with an ear that is open to all the nonsense that wants to tear down the foundations of this message and try to discredit its truth. I've never seen a one of them yet that ever come of that that didn't start falling. They step off of the word of truth and they, they begin to fall and tumble. I've seen them go down as low until they don't, you know, first they, they, they don't believe in God's prophet. And then they don't believe in his message. Then they don't believe in the Christ that sent him. And then they don't believe in the God who sent Christ. And then they don't believe in the Bible, the word of God. And then they just keep falling until they don't even believe in God at all. I screamed for my daddy. My daddy wasn't there. Oh, it's going to be a lonely place. I screamed for my mother. Somebody catch me. There was no mother there. I was just going. I screamed to God, and there was no God there. There was nothing there. And after a while, I heard the most mournful sound I ever heard, and the most awful feeling, and even a literal, listen to this prophet, after being a, a literal burning fire, would it be pleasurable to decide of what that was? It was the most horrible feelings I ever had. I heard a noise, something like in a haunted affair. It was women. They had the green stuff, just could see their face. They had green stuff under their eyes. So he sees these heads coming down, painted faces. Like women today paint their eyes and you want to look like hell, you'll get a chance to. They were going, and I just screamed out, oh God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. If you'll just let me go back, I promise to be a good boy. And, 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 And he said, he, he said, it looked like, as I screamed out, God, just let me go back. He said, those weary creatures were all around, and I'd just be, become a new arrival. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, when he went beyond the curtain of time, he said, I was new arrival there. And they were all coming down to greet me. Now, which one, which one do you want greeting you? One breath from here, where do you want? What is your decision? What, which direction do you want to go? What kind of people do you want to meet? You're painting your face like hell. Artificial on the outside because there's artificial on the inside. Let me tell you, you'll have companionship down there with other people just like you. 
but they ain't going to commiserate with you and you tell your little sob stories to each other. Everyone will be so consumed and lost in their own misery. There won't be no company in hell. Most hideous, horrible, ungodly feeling look like Great big eyes, big eyelashes look like, like a cat right back this green stuff, cankered. And they were going, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. What a feeling. You know, if we understood hell the slightest bit, there would be nobody say, go to hell. It's far too easy to go to hell. It requires no change of course. You were, we were born with our autopilot set right towards hell. It's nothing to take lightly. Hell is the greatest tragedy, the greatest single tragedy in the universe. God loves us enough to tell us in the Bible the truth that there are two destinations, not one. And we must choose the right path if we're going to heaven. And let me tell you, all roads don't lead to heaven. Buddha won't take you to heaven. Hare Krishna won't take you to heaven. Islam can't take you to heaven. Amen. There's only one that leads to heaven. That's Jesus Christ. For he said, no one can come to the Father except by me. All other roads lead to hell. Your education leads to hell. Your communism leads to hell. Your secularism leads to hell. All the book knowledge you can get of this world leads to hell. Amen. There's only one book that leads to heaven and that's this Bible. And there's only one person that leads to heaven and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. You must accept him and accept his pardon. You can tune me out, but you won't tune it out one day. God and Satan are not equal opposites. Neither is heaven and hell equal opposites. God has no equal as a person. Heaven has no equal as a place. Hell is not going to be a wonderful place. It's going to be agonizingly dull and closed in, insignificant, without company, without help, without God, without purpose, without accomplishment. It won't have its own story. You won't be laughing and drinking beer and sipping wine and listening to your rock music. There won't be no bands playing rap and rock and country and Elvis won't serenade you. He'll be too wrapped up in his own awful decision. Of selling his opportunity for popularity. There won't be no one to commiserate with you. To comfort you. Everybody will be alone in their own grief. Knowing they rejected life. But there's good news this morning. None of us have to go to hell. None of us have to go there. And I want 
want you to consider the wonder of it all. God determined that he would rather go to hell on our behalf than to live in heaven without us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. He wanted you so much not to go to hell that he paid a horrible price on the cross and went to hell in your place where you don't have to go. He left all of heaven, its throne, its beauty, its tranquility, its wonderment, its vivid colors, its wonderful mountains, its Eden. He left it all to come down to earth. Not only to redeem man, but to redeem the earth. And being that your body is the first of the earth, he took on cursed earth. You can get this and prove in his word and the, and the other sermon on the future home. He come and wrapped himself in cursed earth. Oh, yes. It started from a spoken word. It started from a seed. But then he took that life and began to wrap around it little sails taken from his mother of food and things like that. When we talk about mother, his incubator, Mary. Right? Amen. And there built around there a body of dust. Hallelujah. Think about this. God would take on cursed earth. And he would live in a life that could die. That could get sick. That could groan with a headache. That could bear your infirmities. That could die on a cross. That could be tempted by sin. Hallelujah. And he took that cursed earth. Brother Bradham said, he took cursed earth down to the Jordan River. And made it obedient to the word of God. And was washed in the river Jordan by the prophet. And yielded himself up to be filled with the spirit of God. The first of the cursed earth to be redeemed. So that out of there would come the elements of the water, the blood, and the spirit to bring for the bride, the people of the resurrection who would have the same life he has. There's a real people who be in this real heaven with a real Jesus. So heaven is just full of spirits, Brother Tim, and people are disembodied spirits. Yeah, Brother Branham once thought that. But he went there and he said they could be felt and touched. But I know of one man that's there, the man Christ Jesus, who raised from the dead and became the intercessor between God, the spirit, God, and man, so that he as a man could make perpetuation for your sins. There's a man there. And when Stephen was departing, he saw him there. He was really there. Wasn't an imagination. He was there. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I see him as the way, the approach to God. I see him as the only visible manifestation of the Almighty. 
where God became tangible. But there are real people that be in a real heaven with Jesus, a bride who will be united with her groom, strolling together with the other saints of the ages, sharing their story, how that God loved them, how special he was to them, sharing the memories of life together. Let me tell you, this is how Brother Branham imagined heaven after he was there. He tells us right after being there, and, and he, goes to, he goes to imagining and trying to explain, you know, trying to put it out, how, after being there, how it, how it would be. And he said, in the message adoption, he said that after we just put on this glorified body and the great age that's to come, when this glorified body, this celestial body has been made a glorified body, then I'll walk over and say, Brother Neville, Brother Humes, let's go up to Papa this morning. He's God. We know him now. He's a savior. He's a healer. There, you know, there was, and then he breaks off into this. Let me read it. There never was such a thing as a creation of sin. Well, that didn't go down good, did it? Sin is not a creation. No, so sin is a perversion. There's only one creator. That's God. Sin is righteousness perverted. What is adultery? Righteousness perverted. What is lie? It's the truth misrepresented, certainly. What is a cursed world? It's God's blessing turned to a curse, to a curse word, to God instead of a blessing. You see, sin is not a creation. Sin is a perversion. So Satan could not create sin. He can only pervert what God created. That's exactly right. And death is only a perversion of life. Notice he said, I'll walk up and I'll say, Brother Humes, let's you and I and Brother Beeler, some of the brethren, we'll go up to Papa God and say, let's take a little journey. Hey, boys, you like the mountains when you were mortal? You know, I always liked the mountain. I like looking at them. I never so much enjoyed climbing them or falling down them. But I sure like looking at them. It'd be wonderful to be able to climb them and go up into the heights of them. You boys liked mountains when you were, when you were mortal? Yeah, we sure did. Uh, whoa, well, there's a couple of million miles of them out there in this new world. Go ahead. Let's roam over them. And he says, he tells us that right while they're out there roaming through the mountain, God is right present. He said, while they're yet speaking, I'll hear Isaiah 66. So there's no distance. Think of this. No distance. You can walk slowly and enjoy and stroll over this heaven and walk through its great gardens. Or you can travel like a thought. And he said, and you know, all of us were walking there just about 500 years. A little, it's just a little journey. He said, or maybe a million, don't make any difference. I know, it's, no, it sounds crazy, but it's the truth because there's no time, it's eternity. And as we're walking along, you know, who we meet out there, uh, I said, well, if that ain't Sister Georgie Bruce. Now, she's one of the spiritual ladies in Branham Tabernacle. Well, Sister Georgie, you've been, uh, been a long time since I've seen you. Look, but she looked just like oh, she was always. And maybe she's 10 million years old. 
but just as young as she ever was. She'd be scratching somebody on the back, and I'd look and say, Why, well, it's Sheeta the lion. How are you this morning, Sheeta? Meow like a kitten. And she says, Oh, I've been down there talking to these sisters down there, around them big flowers down there. We've been out down here about 500 years looking around. He said, Now, I know that's crazy, but it's the truth. Sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Exactly. That's the way God intended it. Well, bless your heart, Sister Georgia. There's no harm can come, nothing at all. And in the evening time, we'll go up to the mountain and say, Oh, Papa God, I once was lost. I once was in the muck of sin, Papa God, and you saved me. Hallelujah. Oh, in the evening time. Amen. Not one great big church service, but it's just all a wonderful day. Amen. It's a day. It's an unending day. Come on, church. Amen. But there be that time that you walk up the mountain. You get so full of it. Seeing the wonderment of it. The joys of it. The beauty of it. You come and say, oh, Papa God. I was lost. I was on the way to hell, but you made heaven for me. Hallelujah. Amen. You'd rather go to hell than to live in heaven by yourself. You wanted me with you. Greater worship than an angel. An angel don't know what grace is. He don't know what it means to be saved. That's why the angels we sing about will bow their heads and listen. Because they cannot join that song. Because they don't know what it means to be redeemed. Amen. They don't know what it means to have been lost and now saved. And he says, here's what the best of this life can give you. And he talks about the Colgate dump. Being the stinkiest place I ever was at. Well, I don't know about Colgate. I've never been there. But I've been around an old paper mill. Man, I don't know how the people live around it. Some men will get and they live up there and they make their living there and they'll walk out. Smells like bacon to me. Don't sound like any bacon. I would smell like any bacon I'd want to touch. But he said... That old smoke just makes me sick to smell it. And laying down there, and that old smoke so sick to your stomach. Your stomach's just turning inside out like after taking castor oil. You're just as sick as you can be, and rats running all over you, trying to eat on you. That's the best of life. Think of it. Stink in this place. Sick in your stomach. Laying there. Can't get up. Rats running all over you trying to eat you. That's the best of this life. Those rats are diseases. They are cancers. COVID viruses. Flu. Tuberculosis. Measles. Whooping cough. Diabetes. Whatever. They attack you. They pull at your body until it can't hold life any longer.
You get old and you can't help yourself. I'm not old, but I've, I've been some places where old people are. No, I'm not in denial. I'm not old. <laughs> but I watch these men, you know, come in sometimes the same clinic that I've been in. And they walk. And I look at them. And I look at this tall, what used to be a great frame, big muscles, young, had hair, strong, straight backs, straight strength. They could could climb a mountain. They could run laps. They were strong. They could lift weights and pounds and huge, huge things. Men that was athletes. And let me tell you, You may be an athlete today, but one day you'll be pulled down to the dust. Feeble. You'll need someone to help you across the room. Because rats are eating your body. That's the worst of this life. But think of this. Then somebody reached down and turn you into an 18-year-old boy or girl and set you on top of a mountain in the very bloom of health and a fresh breath of air like that and a good cold drink of water. Well, why would you ever want to go back to that old dump again? No, brother, never, never go back to that dump again. Let me tell you some good news before he left us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. He has been preparing a place for us to come. He has worked on it. He has planned it. He is bringing it to the world to a climax. And the world you are living in right now is coming to that climax. Because he's planned for it to end. I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come and I will receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. In the Laodicean church age book, Brother Branham said, this is the last warning. And maybe it is for you today. Could be your last one. And let's let me say, we are here in the Laodicean age. This is the last message. There will not be God speaking to another age. The last messenger has come. He has gave the message from Jesus Christ to the age of this people in this last day. He told us how they would be lukewarm and cold and, and how that they would be Christ rejectors and put him on the outside and he would stand on the door knocking. He told us the condition of this age and we're here. But he also told us there's going to be overcomers in this age. And he said, this is the last warning. There will not be another. The throne room has been set up. The 12 foundations have been laid. The streets of gold have been paved. 
You know, I heard a story of a man who went to heaven and he insisted on taking his gold with him. He's got his little bag of gold and I'm not, I'm not going to leave it, leave it here. So he takes it with him. You know how these stories go. He gets to the pearly gates. And the angel said, well, what do you got? Well, you can't bring nothing here. What do you got that you're bringing? Let me see it. Opens it up. Pavement? Pavement? You brought pavement? This is what we walk on here. The treasures that we think are so great will be just pavement under our feet. It will be nothing compared to the glory there. The streets of gold have been laid. I'm telling you what your prophet told you. That the heaven is ready for the gates of gigantic, gigantic pearls are way raised and hinged. Yes, I often wonder why gates of pearls. Why are there gates of pearls, Brother Tim? Well, of course, pearls are beautiful. They're lovely. But why? Why gates of pearls? Do you know how a pearl is made? A pearl is made when a little helpless oyster or shellfish is laying there in the sand down in this ocean and grains come across and float down a sand and he can't, don't have hands to get rid of this sand. So the, the little oyster puts a little substance over it, a little liquid over it, and smooths it over, and it just keeps building around and around that irritant. And that irritant becomes a pearl. And I think of gates of pearl. Just think about the gates of pearl, the entrance there. Our character got molded. You thought those irritants, those trials were going to destroy you. They ain't going to destroy you. They make a pearl on the entrance of a character where you'll enjoy the blessings of heaven forever. The gates of pearls are raised and hinged. Like a pyramid, she stands so fair and glorious. The heavenly beings who have prepared her watch breathlessly for she glistens and shines with a glory that is unearthly. Every facet of her beauty tells the story of amazing grace. Twelve foundations representing the twelve apostles and twelve patriarchs and all the other gates are are that way. You know, every facet of her beauty tells the story of God's great Grace in redemption. She is a city prepared for a prepared people. She awaits only for her inhabitants. Oh, do you know where we're at? 
The gates are hung. The streets are laid. I'm talking about what Jesus said. I go to prepare a place. Amen. The heavenly beings stand prepared. Amen. Watching. Oh, my. Oh, thank you, Jesus. She's a city prepared for a prepared people. She awaits only. Listen, only thing. Only thing she's waiting is her inhabitants. And soon they will throng her streets with joy. Yes, it's the last call. The spirit will not speak in another age. The ages are over. If this is the last message from Jesus himself to the Laodicean messenger, don't turn your heart away from it. Because there is nothing else that can turn your heart back to faith. Let the musicians come. I'm just going to stop right here. He's got a certain designation for us. A certain place. He said, I'll meet you in the air. When he left from here 2,000 years ago, he said, go tarry in the city of Jerusalem. I'm going to meet you there. On the day of Pentecost, he came. That was the coming of Jesus Christ in spirit form to the church. To come and dwell in the church. To embody her for seven ages. But now, we too have a special designation after receiving that place. Every person's got to go to their upper room. You're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to be a part of the bride without getting in that designated place. Go tarry there until you're endued with power from on high. You've got to have power to live an overcoming life. You can't. Nobody but Jesus can live the Christian life and you can't live it and I can't live it without him. There's a designation, no. One designation left. We will meet him. I want you to meet me in the air. But you can't meet me without a change. You got to change these old vile bodies and they've got to be changed from mortal to immortality. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? I want you to think on this. Say, so, well, I'm a good person. Good persons will go to hell. The Bible said, there is none that doeth good. There is none that righteous. No, not one. Don't you try to make it on your own merits. Ah, Brother Tim, this is not a very deep sermon. This is more deeper than you think. If you missed this, you missed everything. If he's not the Lord of your life this morning. If he's not a ruler over those habits, over that sin in your life, over that unbelief, 
it's time to make him ruler. You can't remain in the condition you are and meet God. You've got to make your call in an election, sure. Listen, I, I just had a man down here, been around the message for years and years, been a preacher even. Claimed to be a pastor of the church, attended our meetings, came into the minister's luncheons, living a lie. Was an alcoholic. I pray God delivered him. He had his opportunity. May he walk in that deliverance. I know God delivers alcoholics. We got one right back there that God turned around just recently. But you may never drink again. You may never smoke again. Maybe never use dope again. You may never have ever done that. But if you don't receive Jesus, you're lost. Oh, I don't think, I don't think God would send a person to hell, Brother Jim. I, I think, no, you'll send your own self to hell. You have a pardon that is offered to you today. You do not have to continue walking in sin. You can keep falling. That can be your choice. You can go out of this building and just keep falling, keep tumbling, keep laughing, keep giggling. It ain't for me. Is hell for you? Is the terrors of the awful darkness for you? Is that what you want? You can choose that. Why don't you just ask him to come today and be Lord of your life? Start somewhere. With many people in Brother Brandon's meeting, it started with a hand raised. That may be where it starts with you this morning, just a hand raised. Where you just raise a hand to God. Just keep your heads bowed just for a moment. I want you to play that. I'm reaching out to you, dear Lord. I'm reaching out to you. I want, you to, I want you to see just will you reach out to him today? Will you reach out to him and say, I want to receive your pardon today, Lord. I need forgiveness in my life. I'm just not where I ought to be. Would you raise your hand to God? Come on. There you go. God sees you. God sees you. Amen. God sees you. God sees you. Come on. This is your opportunity. It may be your last call. You, you can go on pretending. Oh, you know, life. No, you're, you're going to fall. You're still going to stumble. You're still going to go down the wrong path. You've got to turn around. That's what repentance is. It's saying, I've been going the wrong direction. I want to turn around today. I want to head back toward Christ. One more call. Would you raise your hand to God? Say, I would really like 
to give my heart to Christ today. Would you raise your hand to him? God bless you. He sees your hand. That's that start. Amen. Just think of it. Think of it. It started right there. He said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your hand can reach further down than what we can look up. Thank you, Lord, that you'll save to the uttermost those that are lost and away from you. Thank you that you left all of heaven to come down to earth to pay the price for redemption. God sees your hand right there. Yes, that's the beginning. Starts right there. He sees it. Just reach out to him now. God bless your little hand back there. He sees it. Yes, God sees you. Amen. What what about you, Christian? Would it be a moment when you're hearing about heaven, how wonderful it is? You just like to rededicate yourself to that goal of going there with all of your heart. You'd like to raise a hand too while we pray. Amen. God sees you. God sees you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many would say, I want to open the door to revival. I want to open the door to healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, whatever. I want to open the door to Christ. I want to open it for more revelation. I want to, I want, I've got a, my hand on the handle this morning. I'm going to open the door and say, come in. He said, if any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. That's his promise. Father, you've seen every hand that reached out to you today. I pray, Lord, you'll speak to them. You just revealed yourself, oh God, in a greater way. Lord, today, there's hands that was raised toward you. There's hands that wanted you, God, to be Lord of their life that said, I need a Savior. I want to accept your pardon, Lord, for my sins. Maybe it was a timid hand. Maybe it was just... They were just so slight. They just, but it started. It was somewhere. And the scripture said, if you draw nigh to God, I'll draw nigh to you. I pray, dear God, that the Holy Spirit continue working on them. That they can't lay their head on the pillow without thinking. Without thinking. I want more of that, Jesus. I want more. I want heaven in my life. I've had enough of hell. I've had enough of sorrows. I've had enough of troubles. I want heaven in my life. That's what it is to receive the Holy Ghost. It's when that little bit of heaven, the life of God comes down and makes an Eden within the soul. I pray that you'll do it, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm reaching out to you, dear Lord. I'm reaching out to you. I know your arm is not too short. And it can reach me too. And as I pray, and I press my way into your kingdom. Will I grow to be more like 